Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. And you know, David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because, well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. We sure do. So, are you curious about ethical porn and what they do differently during the shooting process in order to get the different perspective of pornographic scenes that they're aiming for? Perhaps you're looking for a more female-centric porn style for your own sexual entertainment. On today's show, we get a behind-the-scenes look into the filming of ethical porn, from how to stay hard and premature ejaculation to condom rolls, squirting, and prepping for anal sex. We cover it all. We sure do. And this is going to be one of those shows that you want to listen to right to the end because we have a super uber special guest for you. But before we get going and as we do on every show, we want to tell you about our must-have top waterproof blanket, which now comes in four reversible colors because nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not. So if you're fed up with having to sleep in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils, silicone lubes, and all other sexy wetness, just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply go to Amazon and search for Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket, and order yours today. Great sex starts now. Sure does. And before we forget, we want to invite you to join us with April and Scott from the Naughty Gym as they host their first full takeover of Hedonism 2 in Jamaica during the week of January 6th to 13th, 2024. We're going to be broadcasting on location from this awesome Sexy Fitness Week. And for more information, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, and book your week. And we hope to see you there with us naked on the beach. Mm-hmm. All righty. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle, and we're so excited to welcome back today's special guest. Sexology girl Avril Louise Clark is a sexologist and intimacy coordinator with Erica Lust Films. She's also the lead brand manager for The Porn Conversation, which provides families and teachers with sex education tools. Alrighty, Avril, welcome back. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day for being with us here today. Thank you both so much for having me back. It's so nice to see you again and hear you and share the space with you. Yeah, and why don't you remind everybody about who you are and how you got into this space of sexuality? Yeah, definitely. So uh, as you said, I'm a sexologist. So I got into it because of my curiosity about sex and sex education and the lack of it that I had growing up. And so I thought, um, why not get into it myself? So I started off just in the educational part in the educational field, started working with Erica Lust just over two years ago. And slowly, my um, career has transformed a bit. I started working a bit more on set um, as an intimacy coordinator in the porn world and also still continuing my work by spreading sex education and sex positive um, culture for the young people through the porn conversation. Wow, that is awesome. So we all want to know, what is an intimacy coordinator in the film industry? (laughs) Yes, I, I think it's become such a hot topic, right? It's, right. A, it's a term that we're starting to hear more and more about. Um, but essentially, it's, it's quite a new role that exists in the film industry. Um, it's a person who acts as a liaison between performers or actors, actresses, in the case of porn, sex workers, and production teams. So it's um, a person that's going to uphold the boundaries and the practice of consent on sets 
while taking care of the sexual, mental, and physical health of all performers. Um, I think the term intimacy coordinator really came out of the Me Too movement in Hollywood. So I do like to say there is a huge difference between what I do in adult film versus what an intimacy coordinator might do on the set of, I don't know, an HBO series or Netflix series, because in our case, we're actually having sex, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this means there's going to be a lot different practices that are going to be taken into account. So in a general Hollywood film, then the intimacy coordinator might um, just make sure the pers- the kissing scene is done properly with respect and uh, with consent. Mm-hmm. But also, is your job to make it look real or look nice? Or is your is that one of your concerns as well? I would say also in Hollywood, because there is also these Um, sex scenes between um, actors and actresses. So that's where the term like coordination really came from is because they're really coordinating in a way for it to make it look real. Mm -hmm. Where in our case, you know, the realness is the realness. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) The realness is real. They're having sex. Um, But the coordination really comes in in pre-production into understanding um, what a performer might be interested in doing, what is completely off limits, um, how they're feeling the day of, like leading up to the set, we have multiple conversations and the day of before the sex scene as well, because things change. As we know, as human sexual beings, um, it's not always going to go as we expected to. We might be feeling a little bit different in the moment. And so it's just being that person to check in and make sure there's no boundaries being crossed and a performer doesn't feel the pressure to perform right Right. um but i guess that's where we kind of like hit that making it real right at the end of the day yeah porn is still fantasy right we are creating a fantasy but i do think um the realness there is every single person even sex workers of course have boundaries and have the opportunity to practice consent on set Absolutely. Cool. And we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty in our Great Sex Matters segment in the second half of the show. But um, we, we've used the word ethical porn here a couple of times. And why don't we just back up a little bit and discuss the difference between ethical porn and regular porn that we've been seeing for many, many years? Yeah. Um, so I think the best term that I use it to describe this type of porn is ethically produced porn because I think it defines it way better as far as like, you know, um, what makes it different, right? So the production process is what really makes it different when we think about um, fair pay for all of the people on set, including the sex workers, when we think of it existing beyond a paywall, um, when we think about what are the um, roles and actions being taken place on set, to ensure that it's produced in an ethical way means having people like intimacy coordinators on set, having um, mental health activists and and organizations that will be there for the sex workers post-production, pre-production, right? Having these kind of checks and balances involved where we make sure that we're we're, um, creating a safe um, consensual work environment. Wow, that really makes a lot of sense. So is ethical porn and femme porn the same thing? So that's a good question. I feel like there's a lot of terms that I think are quite synonymous, right? Feminist porn, femme porn, ethical porn. Um, essentially, yes, because I've seen both used so um, so much like frequently for the same kind of um, studios, right? And so I would say... You know, um, if it exists behind the paywall, if you have to pay for it, it's typically going to be considered ethical porn, ethically produced porn. What makes it feminist is also the values that come into play when we're in production processes. If we look at, um, you know, the most commonly viewed porn online, which is typically available for free, we might see themes, topics, categories, titles, content that might not be considered all about equal pleasure, right? Mm. And when we think about feminism, we think about equality. We think about equal pleasure. We think about equality of pay. We think about uh, all about making that balance. 
um, within the gender spectrum. And so this is something that ethical porn, ethically produced porn really tries and um, does a pretty great job at it uh, making happen in the porn industry. And what about the point of view? Because I think femme porn also has the point of view uh, differently from regular porn, that it's really focusing on women's pleasure, where I know it's about the equal pleasure between the two, like you mentioned, but it's also a different point of view. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that um, a point of view is a really good good way to think uh, look at it because it's really about like who's behind the camera, who are the people writing the scripts, who are the people creating these characters, um, who is um, filming and who's actually behind the camera, who is directing it, who is producing it. And we have more women behind the camera. You do really get that different point of view, right? I think a lot of the porn online today is produced, owned, directed, <laughs> um, created by uh, cis hetero straight men and it's very clear right yeah um and so it's really nice to kind of give that um that different perspective to then create porn that is more relatable to more people right exactly that's great very cool so so avril have you ever mm-hmm. been in a film i have not no nope. <laughs> have you wanted to <laughs> nope i have not it honestly i feel like the work that um, I've been doing has been amazing because I've gotten the chance to get to know and get close to a lot of sex workers in the industry. And I feel like everyone should have a sex worker friend in their life. Yeah, <laughs> and if yeah. you don't, you should ask yourself why, why not? <laughs> I know we know so many sex yes. workers, so I know exactly how you're feeling. It's such a liberating type of, I don't know, um, discussions you can have and you know right. I, I just feel it's a whole different world that we usually don't see and I think that's amazing as well yeah. now it, do you have a even if it's whether it's working on stage or uh, watching yourself do you have a favorite type of porn that you enjoy Ooh, that's a good question I wow working it's so funny working in the porn industry has really changed my perspective on porn. I will say that before, before I started teaching porn literacy, which is kind of like that, um, the educational framework, and I know we'll talk about it a bit more when we get to the porn conversation. Um, but it, it's the way about viewing the porn that you consume and kind of thinking about it and challenging how it maybe has shaped the way you feel about sex and sexuality, yourself, bodies, sexual attraction. Um, since I started doing that work myself, it's, it's, I've, my taste in porn has changed immensely. Um, I would say I've been definitely way more into the amateur homemade stuff. Um, I really appreciate the realism to it. I think it's quite, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's just more, um, I, I can't even think of the word relatable. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, yes, it seems more authentic, right? And do you prefer like watching girl, girl, guy, guy, girl, um, orgies, um, or just the straight heterosexual sex? It really depends on the day. <laughs> it depends on the day. What Which if it I should. need to? Yeah. What do you think? Does it depend uh, on the day for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like I, I like more soft. I'm going to say more soft. We live in a world of hardcore sex, right? Because we're having sex right. with lots of people. We're swingers. We've been there and we've done so many things. I like personally watching the softer porn and the more mm-hmm. intimacy and maybe a little bit more of the amateur uh, which is more authentic in my world. So, uh, I mean, David just likes everything. I think I shouldn't even speak for him. I do, I do, but I, I get turned on because lately Carol's been enjoying the male bisexual porn in an orgy yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more of that. Yeah. It's just a fantasy that I have. I love. I would say my next fantasy would be you know two guys together me witnessing live you know the two guys together so yeah that's been interesting for me but I know that's pretty hardcore what I just told you I don't like the intimacy so it's a bit of a uh, a, it really is the fantasy part but if I am going to enjoy some uh, pornography I kind of like that authentic uh, loving situation I don't know if that's always in the amateur porn but I do like that 
I think it, I think I don't think it's impossible to find a mix of both, but yeah. I think it's like a really nice kind of moment to kind of question like, well, why don't we see man on man porn that is has that loving side and has yeah. that softness yeah. to it? Um, the gender roles that play out in pornography is is quite distinct and it's quite intense sometimes, and it's really nice to see um, that softness to it. All right. So before we get into the porn conversation, which is your baby. Um, I, I need to talk to you about some of the issues you've been having with Instagram and social media and shadow banning. I mean, we're, we've been in the world of sexuality for, I don't know, 10 odd years and our struggles with all the social media platforms has been, um, horrible. From the beginning, yeah. Um, be getting accounts shut down and shadow banned and working really hard. Um, our show is all about educating people and, and bringing credible information with, with experts like you to people. And when we put up stuff, we tried going onto TikTok and our first post got shut down. And, um, tell us about the journey that you've just gone through and a success that you just had. I saw you posted it on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm so sorry this has been something you've been experiencing yourself, but I also feel like it all, it comes for all of us. And when I say all of us, I mean people in the sex education world, sex workers, anyone trying to, um, you know, express their sexuality online in a way that might not be seen as, uh, I don't know, acceptable. And I use like big air quotes here because it's very unclear what exactly these guidelines are and when they're going to change and how they're going to ban and block us all. Um, and when we get it back as we did, when is it going to happen again? Um, it's unfortunate. I think that sex education is, um, an absolute right. And I think we all should have the access to it both adults and young people. But the reality is, is that sex education has become politicized to the mm. point where it's not being taught in schools. Um, parents are afraid to talk about it themselves. They also haven't experienced it themselves. So the internet is actually an amazing place for us to find information, share information. And there's very reputable outlets for people to explore their sexuality, like this podcast, like many other um, creatives that we all know and love um and so to see this shadow banning this blocking this taking down sites um with no explanation mm -hmm. with no kind of strikes as they call it which is supposedly you have three strikes and they take away your account it, it's very unclear um it's a it's a pity and and i really don't know what exactly is going to change that i think that we're working on, you know, keeping this, this, our, our presence and continuing to strive and be alive online and, and show that there's nothing wrong. There's nothing shameful about being a sexual being about teaching sex education. And in our case with the porn conversation, it it's sex education. There right. was no clear, um, you know, there wasn't a post or a story where I thought, okay, Maybe this is where they they kind of uh, maybe I I don't know cross the line right. which I say the line also in air quotes because what is it? Um, but there was nothing. Um, a lot of people say that this massive takedown of sex education accounts, which all happened over twenty four hours, um, I think about two weeks ago, was maybe AI generated because it was all done so fast, so swiftly to so many of our accounts. Um, and then we just got sent a, an email by uh, Meta after many um, organizations started protesting. There's lovers management out in the UK that protested outside Meta's HQ. And the email just simply said, you know, it looks like we had removed your account by mistake. You oh. have it back now. Oh. And so no explanation, no understanding of community guidelines, but the rule that we supposedly broke by offering very um, sex positive sex educational tools for young people was that we were soliciting sex. I know that's so, what they call it, a general term, soliciting sex. It's, it's very unclear. It's very unclear. Yeah. 
And and for many of us, it's just a form of advertisement for our work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a form of educating. It's a form of connecting. Um, it's very sad. And, and I think we're all trying to just figure out, well, what language should we be using? How can we continue to censor ourselves, which is the exact opposite of what we're trying to do. Right. We don't want to be censored anymore. Stop yeah. censoring sex education. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, I mean, of course, I get that. <sighs> You know, there is a fine line and we have to kind of look at that as well, that we don't want young people um, seeing sex happening. But even nudity is just natural. Like, I get that there's confusion if you saw young people don't understand what's going on when it comes to sex. And I don't want my seven-year-old watching uh, a porn without an explanation of what's going on. I get that. But I know right. all of our accounts, for example, had been shut down with exactly that soliciting sex. And they were just pictures of me. And I'm telling you, no nudity, no nipple showing. I was so careful all the time. Uh, one time my account got shut down because I said, May is masturbation month. Boom, gone. I posted that one post with a picture of me. And I'm telling you, not nude. Uh, certainly nothing showing. And I was like, okay, let's celebrate. May is masturbation month. Boom, gone. And it said I was soliciting mm-hmm. sex. So, you know, I don't know if there is an answer to that. It just seems... I'm not going to say hopeless, but maybe. Yeah, Yeah, it comes down to the point where like, where else is there to go? Where else is there to be to be yourself? And when it comes to the case of sex workers, we look at laws being passed like SESTA-FOSTA, which is driving people even more underground, having to be in unsafer spaces in order to find clients, in order to work, in order to... Um, make a living and survive. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a huge disservice. Um, in our cases, to to younger people or adults, just trying to educate and trying to connect and trying to learn what I don't know the government, society right. is not providing right. them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess this is a great time for you to tell us all about what is the porn conversation. So, so we're we're. We're going to talk a little bit about the porn conversation. Oh. We did a whole show okay. with Avril about we the porn did. conversation on February 4th, 2022. Oh, yes, that's right. So if you want to hear, you know, the whys and ins and out about the porn conversation for a whole hour, listen to that episode. But just, you know, briefly, Avril, um, tell us mm-hmm. about the porn conversation and where it's evolved since we spoke uh, um, last, last February. February. Yeah, I, I'll keep this one kind of like a little mini recap and, and give you kind of a, an idea of where we're at now. So the Porn Conversation is a nonprofit project that was founded by Erica Lest. If anyone doesn't know who Erica Lest is, um, she is a director, a filmmaker of ethically produced porn, and she's also a mother. So um, she created this organization along with her husband, Pablo Dobner, and I came on as the brand manager in order to create the educational materials that we provide. Everything is free. Everything is easily accessible, downloadable on thepornconversation.org. We offer educational videos, sex education curricula, um, conversation guides for parents, and we really, really start the conversation at porn because I heard time and time and time again that, you know, porn is not sex education, it's adult entertainment, which is 1000% true. But without sex education, a lot of young people are still learning, coming across porn, learning about sex through it, replicating what they're seeing in it, not understanding that it's fantasy for adults, not reality. And also, um, a lot of the complexities, such as the misunderstanding that what really goes on behind the scenes, which is important for us in ethically produced porn to show, right? To really kind of break that wall and show that this is something that we're creating. This is a fantasy. This is something that has editing and processes together that create this final beautiful product, but sex is not always that clean cut and easy and fantastical, right? So, um, It's been a really, really fun time working on this project. I think we're building a really nice community of ambassadors, so sexual health professionals and educators that align with our mission that's helping grow and continue the conversations. Um, We actually got to go to South by Southwest last March in Austin, and we presented the project there. 
we got to meet a lot of really great sex positive folks over out in Austin, Texas and beyond. And it's just been really nice to kind of build this community that um, we all share very, very similar values. So it's, it's cool to see where else, We'll go with the project. I love I love the fact that every month you have a different theme and you really <laughs> zero in in a very compact manner on what message or what educational piece of sexuality you're trying to put out there. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of information out there. And, and this was like kind of the heart of the project for us was like, how can we soft serve this information to educators, to families, to parents that are looking to educate the young people in their lives without getting overwhelmed by the amount of information out there. And a lot of parents who, you know, don't really know how to feel about the availability and the access to porn. Um, And so it was important for us to really make it kind of bite-sized, make it very structured in a way where anyone could pick it up and read our materials or follow us on Instagram or TikTok and, and step away with it with a, a different perspective, right? And challenging our perspectives as to how porn has really structured a lot of our deals of sex and sexuality, of body standards, of gender, of inclusivity, of racism. It's just been so, so impactful to deconstruct and really challenge these views. Now, would you say that the best thing for parents to do is find a way to not let their kids watch porn, whether it's a net nanny or monitoring their (laughs) sites that they visit? So it is something that we offer to the, you know, the families of eight to 11 year olds. We say, okay, if, if your child has access to a tablet or a phone at this age, then sure, put in the protections that you, that you want. But first and foremost, our our big argument here is that young people are going to come across it eventually, whether or not it's at their friend's house or uh, an elder sister's, I don't know, tablet or phone or a pop-up one day. It's nearly impossible to block okay. or ban these sites and avoid them from seeing it. So what really needs to come first is the conversation, the education, no matter what no matter how hard you try to block them or ban them. Well, my kids laugh at me because they said, well, I'm an old fart. I didn't have the net nannies back then, and I had no clue. They told me recently that I had no clue that they were watching porn at a very young age. And I'm glad they told me because I thought, wow, I had no idea. Um, But yeah, a lot of parents don't even want to acknowledge that their kids are watching porn. Yeah, and so... And, and we get that. I get that. Of course, you don't want to look at your child and think that they're watching this. Yeah. But you can also, as a parent, kind of question yourself and be like, okay, maybe they're not looking this up and finding it, but maybe they've come across it and they're mm-hmm. confused and they're scared and they're, you know, don't know where to go with this information. Um, and and it, they might be shocked or they might be curious or they might now want to keep looking for more. And so... Yes, of course, children are just learning, but they're also very smart. Yeah. They're very curious. They want to be spoken to about these things. And time and time again, it's been found that children actually get most of their sexual information or the biggest influence on their life when it comes to sex is actually their parents more than the media and more than their friends. So if you open that space for them to have these conversations even if they're not ready for it and you're not either, you just let them know, hey, I'm here for you. This door is open. If you've ever come across adult sites, maybe naked people on the internet and you want to talk about it, I'm here, okay? Um, and so just having those like impactful one-liners um, can change the trajectory of a child's life. They know that they have the space to go to. Right. When we first got into swinging and the lifestyle, um we told our kids, you know, when we're going on vacation, we're going to naked beaches, which was understandable. 
Uh, but then when we got into having a website and being on social media, we decided we needed to tell the kids what we were doing. And they were young. We told them age appropriately. And they really didn't understand at the time what was going on. So we said, you know, now that we told you, we can't untell you. But if you have any questions at all, come to us. And over the mm-hmm. years, um, at different stages, based on girlfriends or boyfriends or relationships and what they were in, um, they've they've sort of opened up little things. Uh, my two boys have been much more open with me than, than, than Carol's kids. We do have a blended family here. I said, just remember when you're watching it, you know, it's entertainment. But if you have any questions, let's chat. And we've had these great ongoing discussions. Um, so I, I think I've done a couple of good things over the years that they feel comfortable talking to me about this stuff. My younger son, when he was 18, said, uh, Dad, I was at my friend's house and I was at a, having a threesome. And I said, you were having a threesome with your girlfriend? He says, yes. I said, well, make sure she was comfortable with the other person that was there. And, um, you know, we always preach consent and respect and ask first and no means no and um sometimes you know the kids are like oh yeah whatever but at least they're hearing it right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah, they know it's like that's a revolving door right they can get that little tidbit of information from you they can take it or leave it but they know that they can come straight back around and ask again when and if the time is right, right for them. Right, because they can't maybe imagine something that they might ask, but eventually they do imagine and they might need to ask. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely right? changes. Yeah. yeah. My daughter came to me the other day and said, Dad, can you hook me up with Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> 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 Not that connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. All right, let's take a break. All right, let's just remind everybody that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we have an amazing, having an amazing discussion with sexology girl Avril Louise Clark from Erica Lust Films, all about porn production. Coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters, where we'll be covering a lot more details about behind the scenes of a porn shoot. But right now, before, before we move on, we want to tell you about Topless Travel and the amazing trips that we have planned for this year and next year. Absolutely. And if you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply must book with Topless Travel. From Hedonism 2 in Jamaica, Desire in Cancun, and all the Bliss Cruise adventures, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. And of course, their trips are all about pushing boundaries, exploring your naughty side, and meeting and partying with tons of sexy fun people. Let's just shout out to their exclusive sexy host couples, including Party Mark, and they're there to ensure that you're having one hell of a sexy vacation. And you know, you find you will be able to find us on many of these topless travel trips. And we're going to be back at Hedo 2 for their topless hedonistic Halloween event. That's definitely a mouthful from October 21st to 28, 2023. And then we're going back to Hedo in February 2024 for their sexy silver event from the 17th to the 24th. And new for 2024, Topless Travel is putting together not one, but two bucket list trips from where we will be broadcasting. First, we're going to be exploring the ancient pyramids of Egypt, followed by a seven-day riverboat cruise down the Nile from March 2nd to 13th, 2024. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime adventure enjoying history with lots of sexy fun, open-minded friends. And on the second bucket list trip, we'll be heading to Kenya for an African safari to witness the Great Migration, glamping in the wild savanna from September 2 to 11, 2024. This event is sold out, but you can still get on a waiting list in case someone cancels. Absolutely. So if you don't want to miss any of these amazing adventures with other sexy, open-minded friends, then go and book your spot today. Do it now before it's too late. And of course, for more information about these trips or any of the topless travel events, you can always go to thesexylifestyle.com and click on the topless travel events link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And as a quick reminder, if you're looking for an open-minded online community to find compatible people and events in your area, go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. That's sdc.com and the promo code is 30314. All right. That's a lot of advertising. Let's get back to the show, get some good information out there. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Cal and David. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. So now let's get back with Avril and we'll get some of the behind the scenes information for a porno shoot. All righty. So Avril, 
How does it all get started? And is there any type of discussion days? I know you were saying days before earlier in the show. Um, what happens the day of? And is there like a warm up? Is there foreplay before actually the camera starts shooting? Yeah, good question. I, I guess from an intimacy coordinator point of view, um, really where the conversations start happening is at casting, right? So when we decide who are going to play these roles, who's then going to be in these sex scenes together, that's where um, I have the the uh, performers meet each other, get to know each other. Maybe they've worked with each other before, maybe they haven't, but kind of like getting acquainted with each other. So as far as expectations and um, as far as boundaries, everything is very clear and provided for them to have a think about. When I say provided, I say, you know, we have lots of protocols like paperwork, which is not sexy, but it makes everything so smooth and wonderful and just making sure that everyone's needs are being adhered to. So I don't know uh, what kind of lubes would they like to use on set, contraceptive use, um, boundaries, consent, um, the relationship between the two. Um, so then when we get onto the set, there's no surprises, right? All the expectations have been laid out. As far as foreplay, well, the foreplay really happens in the film. So the way that we do it at Erica Lust is there is typically about 45 minutes to one hour set out for each sex scene. And the sex scenes are unscripted. The sex scenes are what we call freestyle, meaning that the conversations of like, what are the um, roles of each character going to be? How is the sex going to be played out is really taken into account of the performers interests and boundaries right so it's not like there is this added pressure of having to perform or act in a certain way having to have the money shot at the ends right the come shot um it's really done in a very respectful smooth way and the foreplay is all out there on camera if you watch any of our films you'll see it's happening so nothing happens off camera that you wouldn't see on now, I know that it's very important, the camera angle, so that you can see what you see. Because, you know, when two people are fucking, very often, you know, you normally, I mean, you can't see it. Mm -hmm. So the camera kind of has to be there. And is it a different way of filming when it's ethically produced so that the camera angle is not interfering with the, the real connection that they're trying to show? Yeah. Um, so... As far as like the camera use, I can kind of explain it from my perspective, but I'm sure a camera person would be able to explain it way better than me. Um, but typically there is one camera on set. Maybe if there's multiple people, it might be two, um, but it's going to be one person and they do a really good job at catching all the moments. I think what really helps is, you know, we talked about perspective before, having a lot more women behind the cameras directing and producing these films, we're not necessarily looking for that, I guess what you would call like the POV shot, mm -hmm. right? Which is just the genitals. It's really important for the camera person to catch the sensations, the hands, the face of everybody, uh, the reactions, um, more than just having that camera really in an angle where they're going to catch constant genital play right cool which you know yeah. is actually most of the time in those those types of produced films doesn't feel realistic the way that the camera's showing and the angle that's not really the common right. way of having sex <laughs> that's all i'm saying i don't know i've been well, watching you, it and trying to replicate that stuff and i've been doing pretty good yeah okay good. <laughs> hey. i think i think as far as what you're saying is you know a lot of um for example the the positions will be right. very open, yeah. right? Yeah. Because they're making space for the camera. But I think what we're really missing in those moments is the really nice sensual stuff, right. like the, yeah. the reactions, the faces, the different touches that are going on. Um, and it's really important, I think, for consumers to see that because yeah. that's, real that's that and when you say it's ad lib that they can you know the sex scenes are not scripted uh what uh -huh. about the sounds like let's just say a woman or one of the sex actors is um would you do do you actually at least ask them to be louder or quieter mm -hmm. or like for the sounds what do you do to direct that 
I would say the one direction that I've heard from the director themselves too, including Erica, has been communicate. Okay. Um, we really want to hear performers talking to each other, checking in on each other. Um, we ask them to be vocal about it because it is actually a really big part of our films is showing that consent, that communication. And it's very realistic in that sense. And I think that's what we strive to do is create relatable porn. So um, like I say, as an intimacy coordinator, I wish I had the conversations that sex workers are having between each other. When I was dating, when I was having casual sex, um, it was, it's just something that I think makes it so much more, I don't know, safer yeah. more than anything. Yeah, yeah safer space <laughs> to play. Yeah. Safer, but also pleasurable when you're actually telling each other what you like, what you don't like, what's good, what's not good. It's not really taking them out of the moment. You'll see we still make really hot porn, but it's really cool to see the tidbits that we do leave in of these conversations and reactions they have between each other. So it's not so much like, hey, scream louder, um, have the moment of the orgasm. Of course, there is a sense of performance in the porn, right? People do get nervous. People might not be able to reach an orgasm all the time, but what is really comfy to walk away from it is knowing that it wasn't directed necessarily to do that. Cool. Cool. So how do the guys stay hard? Good question. No fluffers. No fluffers are used on set. Um, it's, there's no expectation to have the erection. There's no pressure to maintain it. There's no pressure to have the cum shot. Um, as far as keeping the erection, it might be something that if they feel is necessary and by they, I mean, the performers feel it is kind of like adding to the moment, adding to what they both want to do or all want to do, right. Depending on how many people, um, it's on them, but there's, there's no pressure to keep that erection. And in so general, it's really up to the performer. Sorry. In general, do they actually use Viagra or Cialis or any? assistance that would be depending on the performer it's really really up to whatever one's um preferences are okay. yeah but i, I do think having the lack of sorry i think no. also having the lack of the expectation of a hard-on of um an ejaculation um also in real life sex actually leads to more of a possibility that there will be a hard-on and there will be yeah. ejaculation yeah. right yes Less pressure. Yeah. Now, what if pressure. he comes too early? What if, like, she's really hot and the scene is all going mm-hmm. amazing and in the first five minutes he shoots his load? Then that's fine, too, because I, I think that um, a lot of the times what we see in free online porn is, like, they, they follow this, like, order of operations, right? And typically all films end in, what, like, a cum shot. If someone does come early, it's not a problem. It doesn't mean that sex is ended, good, right? Good, good, there's good. so much more that can still happen. There's toys, there's oral sex, there's um, kissing, cuddling, however they feel like they want to continue as partners, pleasing the other partner who hasn't come yet. And on the female side, um, do you ask the women to do the fogasm or if she comes, she comes and if she doesn't, she doesn't? Yeah, if you come, you come. If you don't, you don't. That's fine. Like, like what if, real sex. But what if she does a fullgasm? Yeah, exactly. Do you tell her not to? A fullgasm meaning what? I a, love this term, but I don't fake, know what it is. Full means fake. Full means uh, fake, and it just rhymes with orgasm, you know? So it's fullgasm. It just means uh, fake. Uh, I thought you said full as in F-U-L-L. Oh, okay, no. like, full as in fake. Mean? Yeah. So if she does a fake <laughs> orgasm, let's just say in it. I don't know. She just it just happens. But do you leave it in there? Do you ask her to not do it? How are you gonna know? I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah. How are you gonna know? I don't know. Ah. I mean, it wouldn't be exactly. I don't think it's necessarily something that you would cut. I think it comes from also the understanding that born at the end of the day, although our expectations or hopes is that we're making these realistic settings. Sometimes we even work with real life couples there's still this nervousness that that might happen. There still can be these moments of 
where you can feel a person might be wanting to perform more than being realistic. Maybe they have to put themselves in that space mm-hmm. um, in order to, to um, you know, make the scene how they wish it to be as the performer, right? Okay. Not the director yeah, pressuring yeah. it. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's just as my role as intimacy coordinator, it's, it's just always checking in, making sure someone is not doing something to a point of, you know, um, that it's acting outside of their Makes their sense. boundaries right, or their right, comfort right. levels. Um, that's just the top importance to me. Now, you did yeah. mention that the focus is not 100% on the genitals, which uh, in the mm-hmm. regular porn, it mostly is. But when you cast your male actor, uh, are does you... Does size matter? Uh, yeah, does size matter? Are you looking for a big penis? I'm out. <laughs> I, I so I'm not a part of the casting process, but I can imagine if it doesn't have anything to do with the storyline, then it probably doesn't matter. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Because I find regular porn is also makes makes men with smaller penises feel bad about their body image uh, right. when all they see is these giant cocks on screen. They're not all giant. No, but if there's a lot of AWCs. What's that average? Average white cock. Okay, well, there's still a lot of big cocks on scene too. I was just wondering what your perspective is. Well, this is why I teach porn literacy because I think there's so much that we get from porn. There's so many messages that they teach us, including body image, right? So there's a lot of typical bodies that we see in porn. Large penises, um, the way they're tagged, the way they're titled, the way, um, I don't know, we see titles such as like tiny teen gets destroyed by BBC, you know, what is this really sending us that there are these expectations to have a certain body type in order to give and receive pleasure in order to really connect with another human. Um, Why is it based on size? Why is it based on body type? Why is it based on race? Why Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. are some people seen as more deserving of pleasure than others? So it's really nice to deconstruct that. And you'll see in Erica West porn, there are no titles and categories that are based on body sizes, on um, certain races, on genders. It's, it's always very done in a way where I hope that there's enough out there um, for anyone to find relatable. Nice, cool, cool, nice. Cool. All right, before we get into talking about anal sex, Let's just talk about the importance or how you guys manage um, STIs and do people use condoms? Yeah, absolutely. So that's part of my lovely job and I enjoy doing it a lot. Um, So STI testing is required, of course, on set. Um, This happens probably, you know, during the first conversation I have with the performers when they meet each other is I will send a list of SDI tests that they need to receive. Um, if they need help organizing the tests to be done, um, we also manage that. When they receive their results, they send them to me. Um, obviously, there is the process of protecting their legal names. It might not be something they want to share with everybody. Um, and I will share them w- with each other's um, scene mates, right? So the people that they're performing with. Then, um, as far as contraceptive use, we have a thing called the sex box. So during the first conversation, do I understand um, what contraceptives they are on or what they would like to use when it comes to condoms, when it comes to sharing toys, when it comes to practices or safer sex practices during the set? How can I help best protect their bodies and make sure that we have everything for their needs? So these are this is all taken into consideration in pre-production. So we're talking about maybe like a month or more before we even get set. Very cool. And when it comes to condoms, so for you, it's not a requirement, but they decide themselves Mm -hmm. if they want or don't want? They decide. But for example, if we have a performer who says, it doesn't matter for me, either receiving or giving, um, but the other performer says that it's a necessity there's always room there's negotiations right Mm -hmm. so we go with the person who requires it right that's that's just like a a given yeah all right interesting how do you do anal sex on a porn set how do you make sure it stays clean (laughs) so um so if there's going to be anal sex 
during um, a production. It's something that we're aware of beforehand when we have those first conversations, right? When we fill out the forms and understand, um, you know, okay, so if it's a part of the storyline, like we've had films like one called My Ass, where obviously it was going to be about anal sex. um, That is taken into account when they're looking for talent. So it would be finding performers that are comfortable with performing either giving or receiving anal sex and then when we get to the talks of the first conversation it's about understanding also preparation so something that we don't often see in porn is understanding the amount of preparation that goes into an anal sex scene before you get to set so um if there is that expectation that it's going to happen there is going to be anal sex that day it's up to the performer to take those measures to keep the cleanliness right um so we offer showers before and after the sex scenes always um there's different things that i will ask like hey is there something i can bring to set to make you feel most comfortable hygiene is of top importance of course um but also we might have those sets where maybe anal is not quote unquote required, right? It's not like within the storyline or the expectations, but a performer might be like, Hey, maybe in the moment I'll be feeling it. Um, then I say in those cases, like come to set prepared if you do want to have anal sex and also checking in with the other performers that, um, maybe this is something one of the performer wants to do or, you know, receive or give or whatever. And so there's no surprises, right? right? Especially when it comes to hygiene. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk (laughs) about their boundaries, for example, uh, if someone says, well, I'm okay with anal sex, if it happens to happen. So you put Mm -hmm. the onus on them to come prepared to make sure they've done their, their cleanup ritual before they go into the set. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Like, what are your baseline needs? A lot of people if not all, hygiene, right? Mm -hmm. Hygiene is going to be important. I think as sex workers, that's something that they require of their clients themselves, right? So they understand being in those situations that hygiene is going to keep everyone's body safe. And that's it in that sense. Right. right. Is it different on the Um, set when the two people are in a couple or married? So I've had experiences um, where there has been actually a married couple on set and for me it's not like i i don't skip anything i mean i think it's important to go through all the processes because it's different being a partner in a in a partnership or in a married couple and having sex at home versus then walking onto set and all of a sudden there's 50 people running around 20 people behind the camera you know it's the pressure's there and the pressure to perform is there. And maybe one of them is more experienced than the other. Maybe one of them is new to the world of porn. And I want to make sure that um, I don't ever go into a set thinking it's okay or I need to maybe care less just because they're a partner in real life. Like this isn't real life anymore. Um, This is a performance. And I want to make sure that um, they're, both being taken care of the best they can and it does help that they have each other mm-hmm. um but yeah just always always follow the same protocols Carol, no matter what could yeah. you do it could you go on set with 50 people filming and watching you and fuck well yeah i think we did it right well we've been on cruise ships and yeah. we've been in giant orgies with lots of people right? but here here you're, you're performing we on, for we were on sex with sunny megatron yeah that's true but yeah that yeah. was a that was a film set it there was, was a, it was it yeah. was so, yeah, but I, we'll I, I would love to be on a big porn set and I know you and would. Fuck you. I know you would. <laughs> or in an orgy, yeah. or, you know. <laughs> I think that would work out fine. I don't. Think I think that I we... get turned on by being yeah. a, being uh, and yeah. An I think yes. I think we would absolutely. We yeah. we we love being in the middle of the room, fucking whether it be just ourselves or in an orgy, and knowing that people are watching. But on Sex with Sunny Megatron, we did a scene which was a dogging scene. We were in a an abandoned parking lot. And um, oh, wow. we were on a car and we fucked on the side of the car and everybody came to Carol watch. Carol got in trouble because she went over to the other couple and started sucking his cock with the other girl. And the director <laughs> says, no, 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 that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I got a mouthful. I was good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they had invited another um, um, sex workers that uh, were 
were part of the scene. He had a huge yeah. cock, and Carol right. just wanted to sign. Yeah, it. it was good. It was fun. All right, we're getting to the end of the show. Yeah. We have uh, a couple of last things we want to wrap up with you. The first one is: Do you have a funny story or a, a cool story about something you've seen on a shoot? Oh my gosh! Wow. Okay, so I think okay, so there was this really fun scene we actually filmed. Or um, it was actually a feature length film we did recently that was directed by Eric Lewis called The Wedding. And it's so fun. I think you two would actually love it because it's um, it was all based on a couple getting married and they have all these wonderful storylines within it. That's like the mother of the groom who's kind of like this milfy woman. Um, and then we have played by Andy James, who was just fabulous. And then we have like the really funky... Um, wedding singer guy who then ends up having sex with the groom's mom but we did have a scene where the groom was going to be receiving head from the best man and um it turns into being this like secretive polyamorous wedding where they all realize the couple is actually polyamorous by the end of it um but i there was a moment where uh you know we had the sex talks before and i understood it was going to be like an under the table sex scene um where the the groom who was played by dante cole who is also amazing maybe a lot of people have seen him out there in the pornhub world um he's going to be receiving head from Pantorino, who is also amazing and but we realized in the moment after going through it all and kind of like having this expectation in our head, I said, okay, like, do you want to come and see the table? Because I think it's important that before they go into the sex scene, we really see the set and we get to feel it out. But we realized in that moment that um, the way the camera angle was going to try to capture everything, the table was just too low and the performer was just too large. So at the end of the day, it was kind of like, to get it, it would be like keep lifting up the table, which doesn't really create like a realistic secret blowjob scene, right? <laughs> right? If you're like <laughs> lifting up the table with your back trying to uh, give head. Yeah. So I, I think that's like one of those, I mean, it's a kind of quirky small moment on set, but like a lot of these things might happen and it's all about just kind of like analyzing it, figuring out, obviously this takes into account a lot of other people on set, like set designers, camera people. For me, it's more just down to, hey, you don't look very comfortable down there. Right. Can we try to leave this situation so you can have, give a better blowjob? Um, and so it's all about, um yeah, just like finding those moments and having a laugh. And you didn't feel sure. like you wanted to go there and show him how to do it? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you got to keep it professional, David. Uh -huh. That is funny. So I'm assuming you did find a solution. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. there was a solution made. I think we ended up putting like, there was a set designer ended up putting boxes underneath the legs to just right. like raise, raise it, up it up more. Yeah. And then the camera angle, then it's really cool because then the camera person has to figure out how to angle it so it doesn't look like it's this Tall table, table that's right. Yeah, right, right. super uneven. That's funny. Yeah, it's yeah, that's good. Fun. All right, I think we are coming to the end of the show and we usually like to leave our audience with some good advice. Um, so Avril, mm -hmm. what would you say would be the top two ways that a couple can use ethical porn to spice up their own sex lives? Yeah, good uh, question. I think like just get kind of more into the mood of showing each other what you like. I think that there's oftentimes a lot we don't know about our sexual partners and to kind of like stay curious, send your partner a video that you like, a film that you like, um, share an account with them, um, do what you can to kind of like bring back that spice, bring back that conversation around what maybe you're not doing in your sex life that you would like to try. Um, and also know that, you know, you always have the room to be like, mm, no, not into that, but here's a video I am into. What do you think about this? Right. Yeah. Just kind of keep that conversation flowing in a way where we're not getting offended. We're just being cheeky and fun. Nice. Wow. All righty. Avril Louise Clark, once again, thank you so much for all that great information and sharing it with all our listeners out there. Why don't you take a minute and remind everyone how they can reach out to you, find all of Erica's work, find the porn conversation and your own website. Yeah. 
So um, I am Sexology Girl on Instagram. You can also find me at sexologygirl.com. And you can find The Porn Conversation at the P, letter P, conversation on Instagram and thepornconversation.org online. Wow, that's great. And of course, if you missed any of that information, you can just go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all of their information there. And you can even contact them directly from our website. You got it. And you know, we're learning more and more every week from all our great guests. We hope you do too. If you have any questions at all, you can always send us an email at ask at carolindavid.com. Alrighty. Wow, the end of another great show with another awesome guest, Avril Louise Clark. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you both so much. You're so lovely. And we want to thank all our listeners for being here week in and week out. And don't forget to join us next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I and Avril send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. <laughs>